The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are live coming off of UFC 287. We have a new middleweight champion, or at least once again, the middleweight champion has a name, and his name is Israel Adesanya, viciously knocking out Alex Pereira in the second round to reclaim the the title that he lost to the same man five months ago. We had Jorge Mazadal announce his retirement following his loss to Gilbert Burns. Y'all must have forgot about Rob Font, Kevin Holland. Interesting performance. Had some things to say about Dana White that Dana wouldn't even repeat. At the post-fight press conference, an 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. suffers his first loss. And those are among the many storylines that have come out of the promotion's return to Miami for the first time in over 20 years. But thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck. In the middle, that is Jed Mishu. On the right, the wise wordsmith himself. Shaheen Al-Shadi. So Shaheen, UFC 287 is in the books. Israel Adesanya exercised the demons, and it seems like he has exercised them for good. He feels like he has nothing more to prove. He says Pereira needs to go back to the drawing board and go through the, the hard times like he had to do. And here we are, just a couple hours away, removed from Adesanya's vicious knockout. Your thoughts on Adesanya's performance, how the main event went, and the freaking exclamation point that the last style bender put on Alex Pereira. Yeah. Exclamation point is right. No kidding. Uh, first off, I have to say just for the podcast listeners that are listening to this after fact, you guys can't see this, but Mike is still just sporting just a tremendous Miami get up from the watch party tonight. And I am very much appreciative that you do not change and that you are still representing the three Oh five for us here on this post fight show. You're looking tremendous, Mike heck. 
I love Thank it. you. I, I am wearing uh, flannel pajama pants on the bottom just to break down the fourth wall. But continue, please. At least you could be lying pants. to us right now, though. You could be wearing some nice slacks, some white slacks. I don't know. Okay, well. There you go. Well, well, Proof is in the pudding. There we go. <laughs> Uh, look, it's very, it's it's very late for you fellas over there, uh, man. That was really something, right? Like that was an incredible, incredible performance. That was remarkable theater to watch, and this just this rivalry, what this rivalry has become between Izzy and Alex at this point, is really one of the most incredible things that I've seen in combat sports. It's just it's it's such tremendous theater every time out because we are now four fights deep in whatever this is, whatever this has become, whatever this maybe will end up being. And in each of these four fights, there is a similar theme in that what is happening up until the exact moment the fight ends is not what you expect when it comes to the actual ending of the fight, right? Like first fight, Izzy more or less won and then Alex wins the fight. Then the next two, it's come from behind victories. And now this one, it very much felt like once again, the momentum was on Alex's side this time. He was the one with the low kicks. He was the one with the calf kicks. It looks like he had Izzy in trouble. And, you know, Izzy's now saying that was a rope open. I, I actually tend to believe him when you rewatch it again. I've rewatched that second round a couple times now. And then Izzy comes back with the thunderous knockout and turns the tables. And it's just, once again, every single time we see these two men fight, it is such drama. It is such theater. You, the, the ending comes in, in a way that you just don't expect. It is one of the coolest rivalries I've seen in combat sports. And you, you, you mentioned at the top, Mike, that it seems like Izzy and almost even Dana too were ready to move on. And to me, that seems insane. Because I would just this this feels like this story is not done. This feels like th what the, what we're at now is sort of the middle part, right? It's the two towers of of the Lord of the Rings saga. Like there is still one more left to go. I need to see these dudes do this one more time. There's nothing else more interesting in the middleweight division than what these guys have going on. But we can talk about that later in the show. Right now, we just need to focus on Izzy because that was a tremendous championship level performance to be able to come like come back against his own personal boogeyman. And again, it felt like the momentum was trending the opposite direction, the wrong direction. We've talked about it so much with these immediate rematches that how often does the person who loses the first fight end up winning the second fight? That very, very rarely happens. But Izzy with that championship medal, that savvy, that just the ability to make the adjustments on the fly and pounce when the moment counted, like that was incredible to watch that's why you love mma nights like tonight and that main event are why you love mma i, I loved everything about that fight i i really hope we can see another one but in the meantime izzy's the champion is Izzy is the second base best middleweight of all time and he just proved that again tonight that was incredible jed was this the fight you expected you thought izzy was going to go in there and knock out alex Pereira. i i thought he was going to do it as well i picked third round knockout you picked first round knockout. We meet in the middle in round number two and what a knockout it was. Was this the fight you expected now that you've, because I think you went back and rewatched it, right? Sure did. Um, not quite. So, and for very different reasons, because I thought uh, Alex Pereira is never going to get his flowers. And I understand that. Uh, I thought he, uh, Izzy clearly wanted to do some things uh, in there and he had a lot of success doing it. He did not give ground nearly as easily. He really dictated and took the initiative for a lot of that fight, which I think was pivotal for him getting the win. But Pereira was adjusting well. Like we've, we've seen Pereira not do very well when somebody is really putting pressure on him. And he was pretty well schooled. You heard him or, or heard him through the translator say to his corner at the end of the first, like I'm seeing the right hand. I know what he's doing and I'm, I'm chopping the leg down. And I, frankly, I thought that was working. I, I disagree with Shaheen. 
I have serious doubts about the possum part of it. I, I thought his game plan was was working, and it, it it so so this wasn't the fight I thought because both dudes came out really well and and were doing different things to take to take the initiative away from their opponent. So uh, it was a great fight. It was a good performance from from both dudes. A great comeback knockout from Izzy. Again, I don't, I don't buy the possum thing. I, I've watched it twice now, and he got kicked a bunch in the leg. I'm not saying that he was done, done, but he got kicked in the leg and was moved against the fence, and he ate a nasty body shot against the fence. But he always had his eyes on him, and he was looking for the big shot. And that, to me, that is the biggest difference of this fight: is that Izzy was very. And, it's frustrating because this is the thing we said leading into their first MMA fight. This is the thing we talked about almost ad nauseum coming into this is like, you just got to fight the dude at some point. Like you can't try to play perfect point fighter, you know, out of Sonya. That's just not going to work. At some point you're just going to have to say, I'm, we are going to trade punches and I am comfortable and okay with that. And we saw him do it before the finishing sequence to good effect sometimes. I mean, most of the time it was happening. He was at least getting the respect and landing shots of his own there. And then ultimately we saw what it led to. And so this was obvious. This was a great Izzy. It took him three times. <laughs> Let's be honest. It took, took him four him times. A while or four times. It took him three failures to finally learn, but learn he did and came out and fought better for it and ended up getting, uh, Probably the biggest one of his career. Emotionally, it certainly is the biggest one of his career. You know, when all said and done, I don't know if it will be looking back like, ah, oh, that's the most impressive win of his MMA career. But this will go, when we inevitably do the damn they were good on Israel Adesanya, this will be one of the four Mount Rushmores. I think uh, I think everybody will agree with that one. Shaheen? I, I just have to add, like, re-watching that finishing sequence, I think I would agree halfway with what you're saying in terms of the finishing sequence and playing possum. I think there was an element of, okay, this is familiar. So I'm going to hang back and maybe play overstate what's going on here because there was an L like he Alex landed a lot of those shots. And in particular, that knee that he threw in that the, sequence was the monstrous. Roaster, the rib roaster right before the knee, you can physically see Izzy's body slump that lands. And then that knee is nasty and, but Izzy was stayed with it and then came in with that right hook before Pereira could get in. So I'm not taking anything away from him. I just think that the possum story is is not true. I mean, I think it's probably partly true, but regardless, that knee and and like you said, the rib roasters, that's gonna knock out a lot of people <laughs> in in a lot of divisions. I'll just say that. It's I just again the I mean, magic we, we got a rib roaster knockout on the prelims, and it was not nearly as nasty as what Alex Pereira delivered. Yeah, the magic these two men make whenever they're in any sort of combat arena is just, it's sublime, man. It's again, it's sublime. I hate to repeat myself, but this is why you watch, right? Like this this type of fight and just watching the the moment to moment of this was just so incredible. And then even Izzy afterwards, his sense of the moment with these things and the theatrical nature, of the way he presents himself in these moments of the iconic photos now of him over Alex doing the, bow and arrow and just like the whole celebration, like all of it just felt so, I don't know, man, it, it, it was just, again, I I've said it a couple of different times, but it's just such an incredible to see these athletes pull this out in, in moments like this, where like this could have been, if this got, had went any possible wrong other way, 
Izzy's down four to fights forever for this guy. Izzy's getting chased by this guy for the rest of his life. Izzy's seeing Alex Pereira memes in his comments section for the next 30 years of his life. Like he is just going to be ghosted by, or followed like a ghost, haunted like a ghost for the rest of his life by this man. And he just manages to pull it out in, in that type of moment where, again, it's kind of hurt, kind of momentum going the wrong way. It's just amazing to watch. Yeah. And when they went back and, like when the fight was over and they showed the replays of the big moments in the fight, most of those moments came from Alex Pereira and not just the calf kicks. Izzy He's took some a good fight. big shots. I mean, he took some big shots in that fight and was able to get through it. And that was pretty impressive stuff. So Shaheen, you are on team run this shit back a third time in the MMA cage, to. in the UFC cage. Let's do that. Jed, you do you agree to. with that? Are you on board with this idea? I wouldn't mind it if that's where they go. It doesn't sound like they want to do that. Um, look, I watched these dudes fight a bunch because this this fight was frankly more different than their previous the two fights were from the other ones. You know what I'm saying? Like this this showed depth and difference to me, and I would be fascinated to see if Izzy has really internalized this lesson, comes out similarly, if per, what Pereira takes from this and kind of moves forward with. I'd love to watch a rematch. I don't think you have to do it um, for the reasons that I think I, I not the reasons I think it won't happen. Uh, I will hand up. I'm going to be real honest. I did not listen to Izzy's post fight. Um, I listened to his post fight speech in the octagon and that was enough for me. I don't, I don't want to be the Debbie downer of, of this event. So I was like, I'm, I'm good on his, on his post fight presser. I, I don't need that. Uh, I've heard some of the things he said and it doesn't sound like he's super interested in doing this again, to your point earlier, Mike, uh, but I think that's more for different reasons than me personally. Like, I would be incredibly happy to watch Israel Dissonia fight Tricus Duplessis. I think that fight would both be hilarious and fun and, and meritocratic, frankly. Like, I know DDP doesn't have like a top two or three win or whatever, but he's strung together a bunch of good wins over top guys. And I am of the opinion that MMA is more fun when your champions fight a variety of people instead of the same two or three contenders over and over again. Pereira, we all knew what this was. We we fast-tracked him into a title shot. He converted. Good for him. They did the rematch. They're both one and one This is a back-pocket fight that can happen at any point in time. And we can maybe let this one sit for, you know, a fight or two because I do think DDP would be a fun one. And Izzy seems to be somewhat interested in that fight. And so I that would be a cool fight to rock, you know a UFC Africa event would be pretty sick. So that would be my choice. If we get Pereira, I'm not going to be upset by it. Shane, please. This is crazy to me. I don't understand. I don't understand what I'm listening to when I'm hearing this. Cause you're, Dude, we, we're seeing like, if, if we get this back again, it's a good fight. I would like to stop writing the same pass to victory every three months so this is just a selfish take this is just a selfish take on your part but it is in that respect but it's also like broader we talked about it coming in this was like i don't know what else to say about this fight and you know what we did the week before 
I don't really know what else to say about this fight because we're watching Leon and Kamaru fight again. And guess what? We're about to get Amanda Nunes fighting Juliana Pena again. I don't care. Give Each me, one of I do not please care. Please give I me so new fights. I do not care. The next one is a new fight. The next one is a new fight. The dynamic has shifted now. This is a completely new, new thing that we are. Better shift. Nah, man. You're, you're out here advocating for DDP versus Izzy being far more intriguing than, than watching what we just watched. I again. said way funnier. It's gonna be way funny. I don't care about funny. Like I'm here for legendary. The next one would be legendary. That would we're in the midst of one of the great trilogies in MMA history. If this if this continues to play out, and the fact that until I hear from Alex Pereira's mouth, I'm going to 205. I am not going. Like I'm not down with that idea that Dana White seems to be just trying to shoehorn him up up this division because this is not resolved. This does not feel finished, right? Like this is one to three. It's one to one really, but like one to three ultimately. Like this is not the end of this story. And you hold on, hold on. Because you said if it's one to three, it's finished. Three to one is a win. But well in that case it would have been should have been finished at three to zero. In that case it should have been finished at three to zero. But it's not because it's a different sport, right? So it's one it's so it's not. It's one to one. This is not finished. And I the idea that this is a back pocket fight that you can go to whenever that is not with merit to me because it does not feel like Israel Adesanya is someone who is going to be around for the long haul. He very much feels like someone who has come in this game, made his money, built his legacy, and is kind of just pretty happy with what he's done at this point and, and feels like someone who, once he walks away, we're just not going to see him again at, Like in general. like He's just happy in his life doing other things. He's interested in other things. He alluded to it in his post-fight press conference. I don't know how many fights left that guy has, and I'm not trying to waste one of those fights on a middling contender when we have something so incredible in front of us. Like we need, this is the same thing that we always tell the UFC, do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. Like this is it. This, this trilogy could be monstrous. This fight is so intriguing on, on a different level now, given the results we just got tonight to do it again. Everyone advocating against this is insane to me because like, what's the alternative? The alternative is DDP, which is whatever. That's not, that's not going anywhere. Or Robert Whitaker for the third time, who's already down 0-2 in the series. That is far less interesting to me. Or you're bringing Hamzat Shemaev in, who hasn't actually fought a relevant person at 185 at all. Like, if we're going to complain so much about Colby Covington getting the title shot, Hamzat's title shot is infinitely worse than whatever Colby is, like, that Colby would get in 170. You have to do the trilogy. If you don't do the trilogy, it has to solely be because Alex Pereira says, I can't make this weight anymore. I'm going to 205. And until he, I watch him say those words, I can't, I'm not getting off this. Like it, that, it's insane to me to do anything but the trilogy because it will be massive. Like, th- like tonight made Izzy a much bigger star than he has ever been in his entire life when it comes to the UFC. And if they do this a third time, the optics of all of it, of just those two guys standing in the cage and also the brilliance that they give us when they're in the cage. Like it is magic. It is absolute magic. It is sublime to watch these two technicians put on this, the work that they do in there. It has to be the third fight. It has to. I mean, I, I'm, what am I going to repeat my points? It's like, I'm not going to be mad about it. I think we rush these things way too much and we could let this one breathe a little bit. You can, you can open up a wine and let it decant for a moment, but if they run it back, that's fine too. I just think it would be hilarious to watch DDP fight Izzy in Africa and the buildup to that would be tremendous. (laughs) Who's the real African fighter? It'd be great. Yeah. Maybe look, maybe Israel Asanya wants to come and host the show because he could do our jobs better than we can. I don't know. I don't know if you missed that little, uh, 
little tidbit of information at the post by presser, but I intentionally didn't watch the post by presser because I was extremely confident it would just infuriate me. Because almost every time that man has a mic in front of him now, it makes me very upset. So I, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Hold on, Mike. Where do you where do you fall on this? Like what do you want to see next? I know I know you host a very popular show that is very well done and everyone should listen to it tomorrow. It's called On to the Next One. It's a great show on a great program. Or I'm sorry, on a great podcast network, uh, which is also conveniently on a great website. But I need to know, like, where do you stand on this? Are you are you with are Jed on this or are you with me? I'm with you, but the clock is ticking for the reasons that Dana White said. There's, I just don't know how many cuts he has left at 185. So I'm with you until Alex Pereira says, look, I can't do this anymore. Then you have to do it. November, December, it's a huge fight. And let's not forget what the December pay-per-view looked like last year. We got Garbo. That was a bad main event. And Kaliyev Blackowitz. Yeah. We got a draw and no new champion so that we could do another vacant title fight at the next pay-per-view. We need, to, we need to set that card up to be a monster again. And I'm not saying run it right back, but November, December, if that headlines MSG again, if you need a big fight, boom, you have one. If you need to do it in December, boom, you have one. But if that weight cut is just too much for Pereira, totally understand it. Totally understand. 205, he ain't far away from a title shot at 205. The way that Dana talks about him, he's probably a win, maybe two away from from getting there. So, yeah, if if prayer is willing to make this cut one more time, then yes, that's the fight you make. But if he's not, then we just got to move on. So, but I'm with you. I'm I'm fascinated by it. And if it doesn't happen, I I don't think this is a back pocket fight. Unless yeah, it's not. Izzy just gets totally bored at 185, and somehow Pereira is the long reigning light heavyweight champion and he has just cleaned out that division and Adesanya is like, you know what? I'll go up and try to win a second belt again. So, but yeah, I think it's something you got to do quickly. You know what I mean? But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm also ashamed of both of you for failing to mention the other possible fight for Izzy middleweight title defense against his other nemesis, Jan Blachowicz. Oh, that's right. Jan Blachowicz said he would go down to 185. Jan's gonna after that fight. I will. Yeah, you gotta shoot your Rob, shot. You gotta Rob shoot Whitaker your shot. Being, Rob Whitaker being like, "See you soon." Izzy was the funniest shit that happened all night. <laughs> he was like, "Why are you guys gonna play a board game or something?" I'll Surely tell you what, man. Fight. I know. We already know what happens there. I'll tell you what, man. Jan has. Jan at least has a case. Like that's got to be something that like Izzy might be like, "Hmm, I've exercised like the demon. Maybe I'll try to exercise one more and try to beat that." Okay. It would rule so much ass to see Izzy finally overcome his nemesis and just get like <laughs> leg checked into the shittiest loss decision in his belt again. It'd be funny as hell. Jan at 185, I'm kind of interested. So, but no, it's this, it's this it's is, the trilogy fight. It has. To, this is by far the most interesting middleweight has been in a long, long time. Like we, why are we trying to speed rush this out of here? Like, is like let's savor this, let's let's revel in it, and let's fi- finish the story. This is not a done story. That's all. Like it, it I don't understand people saying that this is over because it can't be over. It's one to one. Is he feels like it's done? Based of on course, the- wouldn't you, dude? If you beat me three times in something, and then the next time I, I the fourth time I beat you pretty handily, yeah, I'm walking away, be like, hey, I did it, I got you, I got you. Like yeah. I'm not trying to run that back. 
of course. If I'm Izzy, I'm saying the same thing. But money talks, man. Look, you're the type of guy who would make the Miracle on Ice team beat the Russians three times out of five or whatever to, <laughs> to solidify that gold medal. That's what I'm hearing from you, Shaheen Alshadi. You, you want Izzy to lose again. No, I hearing. need – no, I want to see – the, the completion of this now because this is infinitely more interesting than it was 48 hours ago now it's it, like this that was Ooh, I don't know. I, are you are you really really uh, like, you know, i'm not, not sure this is more interesting i feel like how it's is this not exact, it's kind of how the is exact this? same level of interesting of like these are two very evenly matched nah, dudes man. because now it's the the next fight will have a completely different dynamic of Izzy going in having the upper hand. He has not had the upper hand once in this entire series when it comes to these fights. Like this is such a different level of a dynamic. And also I, see, and I just want to see you say that though, but now he won't be a dog that needs to be let off the collar or whatever dumb shit. He, he'll, he'll come this time. So he's not going to have the same energy. So really he will be weaker than ever before coming into this matchup. <laughs> That's true. There will be no collars to let him off. That is, that is a fair point. Well, the rivalry may not be done, but the career Can of Jorge Masvidal is done. Biggest thing that happened oh, before we get to Jorge Masvidal. Sure. How is he walking out to trapped? Yeah. <laughs> is is, is <laughs> trapped the new like the anti Eminem walkout song now? I that was the most shocking thing that happened tonight. It was like I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore, guys. Yeah, that was a real fever dream moment, right? Because that was like Shoot. right after Jorge just going full MAGA in his retire, like kind of using his retirement speech to do that. And then like at that point, all the young guys who were supposed to win on the card had already lost. And it's like, what's actually going on in Miami right now? Dude, I waited yeah. for like a good 30 seconds to make sure that it wasn't so they weren't like it was a remix where they were just taking the intro. I was like, nope, this is. He's just come. He's singing along. To head he's fired up by it. He was. He was <laughs> real he into comes it too. To the cage, just like, okay, Yo, that song. Worked. That song is two years older than Raul Rosas Jr. That's a statistic right there. Yes. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, Jorge Mazadal, uh, yes, Jorge Mazadal has retired. He lost to Gilbert Burns. I have to say this was not the fight I expected. Um, Burns wins. He won pretty convincingly. But here's what I think, Shaheen. This win didn't do him any favors. You know what I mean? Like, I, f- I feel like... I feel like he didn't get accomplished very much from this. Cause I think he had, I think he had Mazadal in a position where he could have put him away in the third round and he didn't do it. So I think overall his performance, yeah, he got the win, but it wasn't the type of showing he needed against a guy who was clearly a foot out the door, clearly wasn't the same guy by any stretch of the imagination. I know Mazadal was somewhat competitive in the first round and he had his moments and all, but I just felt like, I don't know. I feel like, this was a B minus at best for Gilbert Burns. What say you? I can see where you're coming from on that. I ultimately just don't think it matters though. Cause I don't think that there's anything Gilbert could have done tonight that would change anything realistically. Right. Unless he really came out and like Jorge Masvidal to Masvidal and just like five second flying knee KO'd him. Like nothing he could have done would have ultimately led him to a different place that he sort of finds himself in now. Cause he, cause it seemed like he got what he wanted. At the end of the night, right? Dana White says, hey, you're going to be the backup fighter. You want to be the backup fighter? You're that guy. So he didn't. It's not like Burns got the next title shot. He just sort of got the spot as next in line after next in line, which is sort of the peak of what could have played out for him, even if he had done something in highlight real fashion. Ultimately, he just needed a win because he needed to keep his spot. That was the big thing for Gilbert Burns tonight. It's like he can't go out here and lose to Jorge Masvidal, who at least on the MMA fighting rankings was unranked. And I think on the UFC rankings, maybe like 12th or 11th or 10th or like in that range, right? Something like that. Like if you're Gilbert Burns, who is ostensibly a title contender in one fight away, you can't lose that fight. And so he came out here and he did. And, you know, he won the fight. I thought it was a very fun fight for the most part. Like it wasn't anything you're going to write home about and anything you're going to go back and rewatch a bunch of times. But he did what he needed to do. And he proved once again something that we all know at this point that Gilbert Burns is very, very good at this whole MMA thing. Like it's just something he tends to be very good at. So he kept his spot and ultimately he he sort of reserved his next spot, which I think was the best case outcome for him outside of, again, like doing the fastest knockout in UFC history and then cutting some incredible Miami promo to, to steal Colby Covington's spot. Like that was just not going to happen. So I, I, I see where you're coming from, but he did what he needed to. Yeah, I don't know if I buy Dana just being like, sure, he's the backup. You know what I mean? I don't know. It seems like he was interested in Bilal Muhammad versus Kamara Usman, which does that put kind of put Burns on the back burner even more now? Because I felt like they would just pivot right to Bilal and Burns. I feel like that would have been a very sensical fight for the moment. I feel like Bilal stock has risen a little bit. He ran with the Colby media tour and the John Anna comments and got over and the biggest way he has throughout his entire career, more than any of his performances have. And he's in a pretty good spot where people are actually interested in seeing Bilal fight Colby or at this point, even Bilal. Like, I, I feel like that could be like a legit number one contender fight at this point, but it seems like Dana is in on Bilal and Usman. And I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of, it was a fine way. It was a good win. This it was, there's no controversy here. I just felt like Burns Jed in the third round, probably could have done more and put a put a stamp on it but i'm not here to nitpick or anything like that i mean perhaps i am a little bit but there you go yeah. what did you think of his performance no, i'm with you uh this is gonna sound a bit 
bad coming from me because I've historically been the Gilbert Burns hater of this website. Uh, not that I hate Gilbert Burns, but I just have never, I've never believed in him, despite the fact that he has done nothing but prove himself to be an exceedingly capable MMA fighter. Uh, I think he looked older, uh, and he is older. I mean, the obviously Masvidal retires; he's thirty-eight. Gilbert Burns is thirty-six. That's that's past it. That that's past your athletic peak. Um, and I I think that that's a lot of what we saw there. I, I thought he won cleanly. But there were large swaths of that fight where Masvidal was very competitive uh, in just that they weren't doing a ton either way. And that's not what you want to see, at least not what I want to see, because of where I think Jorge Masvidal is as a you know welterweight fighter at this stage of his career. So um, I, I like you. I, I don't leave impressed by Gilbert Burns. I don't leave thinking like, oh, he sucks. Just like, yeah, he's still good at fighting. He's got more than enough to beat Jorge Masvidal. But the time, the pumpkin is about to come. Like, he, it, it's really running out for him very soon. Uh, and, I mean, I guess he's going to be the backup fighter. I don't really know because that – that role as backup fighter is not going to mean shit if they are doing Bilal versus Usman. And Bilal, if Bilal beats Usman, which I won't probably won't say is going to happen, but if it does happen, then it doesn't matter who's the backup fighter. Bilal's going to get the title fight if he beats Usman. So I would have much preferred Burns to make better choices with this post fight speech. We were on the on the uh, watch along, you know, call out. I, you were calling for the Bilal. I thought Shavkat. Just be the guy who's going to fight. He started by saying, I'll fight anybody, you know. I'm, I'll fight anybody. Just follow that up. Like, I'll fight Shavkat. He's the dude no one wants right now. I'll fight Shavkat for a title fight. And now he would have gotten that fight. We'd be in great shape. Now we'll see. We'll, we'll see where it ends up. And Jorge Masvidal took the, takes the gloves off. Nonsense his retirement in Miami. Kind of teased that this would happen. And he did it. And I feel like this is the right time to do it. So... What a career the man had uh, from the very beginning Dude. to 2019. What a run this guy had, Shaheen. I mean, just pretty damn good career. Ended up getting to the multiple title shots. They created a title for him and Nate Diaz to headline a card at MSG. I mean, this guy did almost everything. And, you know, he was, you know, Colby calls him a journeyman and, and uses it in a bad way, but he's probably like one of the best definitions of a journeyman, a guy who has been through hell and back made it through, did it for all these years, proved a lot of people wrong, got to the highest levels of the sport. And when his time was up, he said, yeah, my time's up and I'm ready to go. And he got to do it in front of his home crowd. So what was your reaction? Once Mazadal took the gloves off and said he was done. Bro, Jorge Mazadal fought at Beltor one. Like that was he was that was his twentieth pro MMA fight at Bellator one. What is Bellator at right now? Like two hundred and something. Like this, he's just the fact that he's been Almost around three. this. Yeah, the fact that he's been around this long, and really like I when I say this, I I very very much don't mean this as an insult. So I don't. I hope it's not received as one. He is one of the great overachievers. His career and what sort of he was able to accomplish with his career. He's one of the great overachievers in MMA of the last 20 years, of the last 30 years, probably, because like the hit the the way that his career played out simply does not happen. Like he was well deep, deep into it, more than a decade deep. He was like in his, his mid-30s when, when sort of the star turn 
came and he was already who he was at that point. He was a guy who had a lot of, I think our, our good buddy, AK Lee tweeted out today where he had like a five-year run of nothing but decisions. And a lot of them were split decisions. And he was just a very frustrating guy who was losing a lot of fights that he should have won and, and winning fights that maybe he should have lost. And he was just kind of like this 500 fighter for a really long stretch there who was, who, who was just almost like another name, another face on a lot of these cards. And then all of a sudden, the way he was able to reinvent himself around 2017, 18, 19 range, frankly, again, just does not happen. Like there are not a lot of examples you can point to throughout the history of this sport of people who have been able to manufacture something that late in their career to completely reinvent themselves and turn into a superstar, the level that Jorge Masvidal genuinely did because he had a real moment for what, like one, two, almost three years where he was one of the biggest superstars in the sport. And I'm sure he made a lot of money. He said tonight, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. Like, that good for you, Jorge Masvidal, because I'm sure five, six, seven years ago, that dude was not thinking, man, I'm going to get out of this whole MMA thing after 20 years and be a multimillionaire. Like, that was probably not in his plans or his, his the ideas of what this would be back then. And so the fact that he was able to do what he did in sort of this final chapter of his career is frankly like it's I, w- I wouldn't put it quite up with like a Michael Bisping or a Glover Teixeira right because those guys won the title and pretty much reshaped their their destiny like reshaped how we will think of them historically but he's right in that next tier of guys who have just completely reinvented themselves so late in their career and completely changed the way we would perceive them from a historical setting because I, I think if if this last run had not happened there would not be Jorge Masvidal conversations taking place in 10 years Right. Like we would not be talking a lot about Jorge Masvidal. He'd be a guy who, who stuck around for a long time, who fought in a lot of different promotions, fought a lot of really, really good guys, was always really competitive and really tough. But he didn't have like those moments that you would remember. But now he does. He very much does. And I, I'm sure five, 10 years from now, people will still be talking about Jorge Masvidal in, in some glowing way or remembering fondly of, you know, the Ben Askren run or just that whole 2019 run where wins fighter of the year out of nowhere. Like it was frankly, quite miraculous the way all of this played out and good for you Jorge Masvidal man not a lot of guys from that era in particular that he started in were able to last as long as he did and can say that they came out of this you know with fat bank accounts and giant mansions in Miami like that dude won he won the race and ultimately like screw titles like that's what this is all about is just winning the race and he very much won the race so hell of a career man kudos to you for you did it like very few people do it and you did it Jed what would you like to say about Mr. Mazadal now that his career is over? I'm disappointed in Shaheen for him saying that people wouldn't have been talking about him when right next to him there's a dude with a podcast entirely devoted to talking about old guys in the sport. And I would Yo. sure have been talking about Jorge Mazadal then. I will and tell you. if I'm if really this, excited for the Jorge Mazadal episode we're going to get. If, if the 2018 to 19 and onward run had not happened, there is a <laughs> – two percent chance that he gets a damn they were good episode oh, and maybe no. maybe it would have been in like episode 143 like it would have no, been really deep when we're running out of ideas no he would have for sure gotten one because he was the guy who was originally supposed to be about journeyman <laughs> the show was originally supposed to be about cool journeyman like oh man those guys were fun Corey mozzarella was fun for a minute and then he had this but i agree with most everything sheen said like it was he won he won. I don't know if he's going to continue to be a multimillionaire if he keeps putting on game bread boxing events that probably cost That's a good point. $8 million a piece, and I cannot imagine delivered return on that. But uh, if, if he is a millionaire, I hope he is doing well. 
this is about as good of a retirement as you could hope for in this sport. He gets to go out in front of Miami where he made his career debut 20 years ago. Uh, you know, he's not the main event, but he was the main event, certainly for that crowd, that they were there for him. And he gets to go out still being a top 20. Uh, I think he's – is he a far for us? Either way, he's, you know, still one of the top welterweights in the world in the grand scheme of things. And like Shane said, late career renaissance in a very substantive and meaningful way, about as good a retirement as you could possibly ask for. And he stopped the landing almost. Uh, the the addendum after it was real weird to like I've he because he nailed that post fight speech to a degree that I was like oh he knew he was gonna lose this fight because this feels like he practiced all these things that he's about to be saying which you wouldn't practice that if he wins because then he's gonna try and get the Leon fight the addendum aside afterwards which was like your mileage is gonna vary depending on your political views. Uh, he nailed he nailed it. So happy trails. We're gonna do a damn on you fairly soon, Jorge. Happy trails indeed. And we'll see what happens with Gilbert Burns. We'll see if he is the backup. I do want to take a few questions from the peeps, but before we do that, uh main card delivered some other cool moments for sure. This card delivered uh some, some very cool moments, Shaheen. So outside of the the main storylines of the top two fights. Who's the the low key MVP of UFC 287? Who stole the show for you outside of the the major storylines? I just I just have to really quickly say when we do that damn they were good episode, I'm very excited for the 15 minute Toby Amada tangent. Uh, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe like four people Dude. watching this right now know what I'm talking about. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. That's gonna be really Dude, fun. I, I already I, while you were talking, I was just like, let me go remember some more Masvidal stuff. And uh, when when you said the Bellator one thing, because I knew it, man, like I remember so many of these, even the pre UFC stuff, like the Sengoku run. This is gonna be what a bodog. It's gonna be incredibly. He fought in Strike Force at the Playboy Mansion. It's gonna be the best. Well traveled. I'm very excited for this. The man was well traveled and also on the receiving end of the wildest submission in MMA Sun-Sal. history. <laughs> he lost a half hour of Sunsal. Bantamweight half hour of It rules. His career is insane. He lost That's... to Luis Palomino, too. Yeah, just a whole. He Unreal. lost to everybody. This he... is a whole separate podcast. Yes. This is a whole separate podcast. Stay tuned for Damn They Were Good down the line. But uh, Shaheen, Loki MVP. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's got to be Rob Font. Has to be Rob Font. When we put together, which is not something we put together, but when we put together at the end of the year, the y'all must have forgot Roy Jones Jr. All-Star team, like Rob Font's on the starting lineup of that team because no one was counting him in for this fight. Like he was almost being treated as just like it was a formality that he was going to show up and then just sort of like, ah, you know, here, I'll lay out the red carpet. You can go ahead and walk down this Adrian Yanez like on your way to the title. Like that was just the way that this fight was being spoken about, broken down. I don't know that I saw anybody in the world pick Rob Font. 
I know I certainly didn't. I don't think either of you two gentlemen did. I did. Well, okay. Same. The new, I the did. new. Mm, okay. He's in, it's New England. He's New England. He's like, come on. He's got to rep his boys. Boston. I'll explain why in a moment. I had nothing to do with New England. Mike. I don't believe <laughs> that. I don't believe No, that. I didn't. I was okay. pointing to him. Okay. I was going to say, no, you're, you're not sure better than me. How dare you? No, I for sure didn't. <laughs> I definitely forgave you, Giannis. No, yeah, New Englanders got to represent the New England cartel, but everyone else in the world seemed like this was just Ariana's coronation in, in, in waiting, right? And the way he went out there and just reminded fools, like, that was brutal, man. That was a brutal, brutal finish, and I'm still confident that Adrian Giannis is going to be someone who matters at 135 before this story is done. He's still very young. I think he's like 29 years old. And his his boxing and just the way his, his UFC run has gone so far, like, I would put a lot of money on the idea that he will be in that title mix at some point in his career. You know, sometimes the first shot to take that leap doesn't work out for everybody. Uh, but Rob Font, man, like he, this is someone who at this point, like his resume is very, very sneakily underrated. Uh, like like the the I think the Cheeto verified in particular threw us off the scent with him quite a quite a bit. Right. Like you look at sort of what he's done over the last five, six years. I think he's really only lost to one current person who is still active in this division um, over that time. And that's Cheeto Vera. And, you know, you want to say you know, hey, you lost to Jose Aldo. Like, okay, cool. A lot of people lose to Jose Aldo. Like, Jose Aldo could have won the damn title right before he retired. Like, that's not something to be shame, ashamed of. So, Rob Font, man, I didn't believe. I think a lot of people didn't believe. Kudos to you, man. That you, he, he absolutely showed out, did it, did the damn thing. And I would love to see him now sort of get reinserted in that title picture, whether that's a Piotr Jan fight next, whether that's he wants Stevenson Figueredo to welcome him to bantamweight. I like that as well. I, I think either oh. of those fights make a lot of sense. That's way he's way too small. He's too small. Can't do that. That's that, that's why it's a smart call out. I love Big the on pick. I love the on idea. That's spoiler alert. That's what I'm going with with on to the next one. I would like the reason I picked Font um was not the New England bias because I've picked against Calvin Cater in the past and I have picked against Rob Font in the past. It's not that I don't I wouldn't pick against the New Englanders. I just the whole what you mentioned, the resume. And the level of competition, it's just night and day. When you go from Jose Aldo to uh, to Jose Aldo to Marlon Vera, and then to Adrian Yanez, I just felt like Rob has just fought way better competition. I mean, it wasn't even close. Like Davy Grant was, Davy Grant for sure, like tough out for anybody, and Davy like took Yanez to the limit in that fight. And I would pick Rob Font pretty confidently to beat Davy Grant in a fight. But that was the whole thing for me. Like I was happy to be proven wrong if Adrian was was up for it, and I think he he certainly was. And I just think Rob was just on fire tonight, and Rob was beating a lot of guys at one thirty five. But I just the experience matters, man. Experience and level no. of competition matters, and that's and that was the biggest thing for me. Like I thought this is a fifty fifty fight, and I just thought the level of competition, the guys who Rob has been in there with. He hung with Jose Aldo. He proved he belonged with Jose Aldo. Yeah, he got dropped a couple times. He did very well against Marlon Vera outside of getting dropped. Like, just look at the numbers statistically from that fight. Like, he can hang with all these guys. I just hadn't seen Yanez be able to hang with any of these guys. His best win was the Tony Kelly win, which is a great win, and it got him to where he was. And I'm with you, Shaheen. I think this is a guy, next couple of years, he'll be a top five Bantamweight. It just... This is a step up that needed to happen. 
I love the matchmaking, but in the end, with the fight that close, I have to go with the guy that just has fought the murderer's row against the other guy until I see him prove me wrong. And I just didn't see that. And what yeah. a performance. What a fight. Yannis looked good, too, until he got dropped. It was, it was, again, it was a hell of a performance. And something you just said right there is exactly my biggest takeaway, just generally from the whole night, which is you said experience matters. I'm writing this in my column right now, my post fight column that goes out on Sunday. But like a, a couple of years ago, I did a really silly, stupid story at my other at my old workplace uh, of like not uh, a great website, not a great website, uh, <laughs> not nearly the website that this website, not a great one. Um, but it was like an oral history of like the the UFC, like old school fans will know what I'm talking about. But like the UFC used to do like these stupid little subheads on their pay per views where it'd be like. UFC 72 victory, which like, what does that mean? That's very, that that's so idiotic. Or like UFC 78 knockout, which had no knockouts on it at all. Like it was, all of these things were so stupid. The war for 04, full force, high voltage. Like none of these mean anything. And like, if you think I miss them, I miss them. I, I, I love them. <laughs> they I love were them so dumb. So I love that era so much. But like, if you were to channel that, sort of vibe for tonight that would be what tonight was right which is ufc 278 or 87 experience matters because we just saw that up and down throughout the card with the exception of joe pfeiffer like for the most part all of these matchups played out in that exact way of just yeah experience matters and i know we get up on the next big thing on the new hotness on whatever the next up and comer or whoever's looking good at the time is but that's a good thing to remember experience matters man it really does <laughs> oh, I, I just, like that. I love. I just love that you had to catch yourself. Like experience matters. Unless you're 51 fight veteran Gerald Mearshart, <laughs> sucks to be you, then bro. Yo, Joe Pfeiffer might be for real though. I like that guy a lot, man. Hey, he's fun, and especially coming in beefy, all juicy like he was today. He called himself juicy. I didn't call him. Uh, yes, man. If you get that dude on a weightlifting regimen, like apparently he's on right now. Like I don't know, man. Middleweight's interesting. Middleweight, the next generation of middleweight's coming, and he's one of those guys. Yeah, GM3 was donezo as soon as he hit the mat. He got clipped, yeah. and he was done, and I don't know what the referee was thinking. Like, he's basically telling him – like, the other thing, he could, he could have just sent the referee a – was he waiting for a text message saying, I'm done, stop the fight? Like, what, what are you doing? That, was. that stoppage like, was brutal. Piper stood back and, like, just let Mearshart sit there like this for, like, what seemed like five seconds, and he's just like, continue – he basically tapped without tapping. So yeah, Pfeiffer looked good. Font looked great. Uh, Jed, takeaway we didn't we didn't discuss before we no, take some take, questions from the peeps. Takeaway we didn't discuss. That's a good one. Um, I mean, we can just cap on to the experience matters part because we should probably at least address this, right? Um, 18-year-old Robert Rosas Jr. took an L, and that was like, the third biggest story coming into this card was Raul Rosas Jr. and BMD. Mike, on the pre-fight Q&A, we got the question, is Raul Rosas Jr. guaranteed to be the youngest UFC champion of all time? And I dismissed it as ludicrous. And 12 hours later, or whatever it is, feel really good about dismissing it as ludicrous. I'm not here to dance on Raul Rosas Jr.'s grave. He's 18. Like, you're just going to have mistakes. Hopefully he will come back and learn from it. But like, this is the reason you don't get too hyped on super young kids. We've almost never seen them work out historically because they get so much so soon. It, it had like 
look at where Sage Northcutt is right now, who was signed when he was 20 or whatever. And was like, this guy is the future. You, I'm never a fan of it because I want them to develop properly. And that's just not a thing that's going to happen at the UFC. We'll see where Al Rosas Jr. goes from here. Uh, he's got talent very clearly, but the experience clearly lost him that fight. And so hopefully we can maybe take a step back with him and be much more reasonable about our projections for, again, a literal child who is in the cage fighting grown men. Honestly, at this point, we might as well just start calling it the, the, the curse of John Jones, right? Like everybody who comes into the UFC saying, I'm going to be the youngest UFC champion of all time. I'm going to beat John Jones's record does not work out well for them like almost immediately it does not work out well for them that just shows you a there's only one john jones right like that what that dude did was very special and it it just continues to look even more special as the years go on and more people fail spectacularly and trying to do it but also b this was something that like when we when we said this in the moment when Raul Rosas was getting signed which is you know like this is a fun story and this is this is cool 17 18 year old sort of getting this opportunity but I don't know that the success rate on this is like, I, I don't know that this is something that I want to see the UFC be doing at, at this kind of clip, right? Cause this is Mickey Gall. This is how, like how many, you just said Sage Northcutt, like how many people can we name who were thrown in there too soon? And then the problem is it's cool to be on the big stage and it's cool to have your name in lights. But like, once you're there, you're there, man. Like you can't go backwards. Like there's not super easy fights in the UFC. There's not regional level fights, which this kid probably very much needs to continue to get better and continue to improve and, you know, go through whatever the normal paces of a career is like, you just don't get that. Like Christian Rodriguez is not the level of fighter that Raul Rosas should be fighting right now. And he's only going to be up against guys like Christian Rodriguez, right? Like how, how many steps backwards in the UFC are there from where he is right now with this type of opponent? Like, I don't know, man. It's a tough spot, and it makes it always kind of makes me uncomfortable when we're in these spots where an actual child is sort of being put in, in a position to fight grown men like this. It's I his was always the worst one to me as well because, like, at least with other some of the other ones, they were more explicable in some ways. You could squint your eyes and be like, "Well, he's twenty, and he does he's been kickboxing since he was fourteen or doing something else." Raul Rosas Jr. made his MMA debut last year or whatever. Like, he just had, like, eight fights in Tijuana. And then was like, all right, you're in the UFC. Like, there, there's mm, just an enormous that's not, that's not all the way true. That's not all the way true. He's been fighting. He, he's had – he had a lot of fights. Like, Did before he? he – oh, yeah. Before he had, like, official amateur bouts, he had a lot of fights. Like, fighting oh. grown dudes in Mexico as, like, a 14-year-old kid. Like, he's got fights. He's been – For whole different reasons. Yeah, he's been training for a long time. But again, like the moniker of this card, experience matters. This was by far the biggest level of competition he's fought. And that's like, if you watch, that's a winnable fight for him. He could beat Christian Rodriguez. I mean, he almost did. Almost did. But he he fought like an 18-year-old kid who thinks he's invincible and has not really faced adversity and just came out and was like, I'm going to run over this dude. And then he didn't, and then things went real bad real fast. And it's just like he could learn that lesson places that aren't on the UFC stage. And that would probably be better for him. But here we are and we'll see what yeah. happens. And it's like, I know there has to be a function within the UFC of having someone like this on the roster 
you know, in a developmental contract. I know they do that. And and I know everyone in the, in the organization was very high on him. And, you know, there's reason to, I'm not, certainly not crapping on him. Like he almost won that fight and, you know, he could have won that fight. If you run it back 10 times, he maybe wins five. Like it's not, it's not a bad thing for him to lose a fight at this stage in his career. And I'm certainly not, it's not an indictment on who he can become. He's so far away from who he can become. It's just, again, once you get to this stage, that's the only type of fight you're going to be getting. Like it's not, there's not massive steps backwards to be able to, to learn with chase Hooper, another name. Like there's just so many examples of this not working that you, you don't want to see someone like this get ruined too early because it's just like, Hey, you're consistently having to fight these murderers row of dudes that you are just not at that level yet. Yeah. Hopefully he learns from it and we'll see what happens. So, all right, we'll take a few questions, get them in, and we will answer said questions. So let's do it. I saw a couple earlier, but this thing just tracks really, really quickly. Uh, someone asked earlier, I'm not, I remember the question stood out, so I'm just going to ask. Um, Shaheen, was Kelvin Gassum's performance, would you consider that a career resurgence? I would consider it a career saving performance certainly right like if he that man had you saw it in his post-fight interview like i had said earlier for the main event like this is why you watch right like this is why the, the sport is so great and this is why we love it so much i would say the same thing about kelvin's post-fight speech like like the amount of emotion that that man had bottled up inside of him after what really was just had it had to in the in his own body going through it going through the paces of it this five-year spiral that he has seemingly been on where nothing goes right and he can't win a fight. And he, a lot of these fights are just bad fights and he's getting injured. And, you know, he hadn't fought since 2021 until tonight. It's just a lot of just bad, unlucky things continually happening to a guy who was really at the precipice, right? Like he pushed Jed, you and I were at that fight in Atlanta. He pushed Izzy so damn hard at that fight in Atlanta. And that night it felt inevitable that Kelvin would be back in that title picture. Like it was, it was, it would have been a joke to say otherwise. And then to, to sort of land where we landed tonight, where he's literally fighting for his career. Because if he loses tonight and say Chris Curtis knocks him out or just wins a fairly one-sided decision, Kelvin Gaslam's shopping his services on, on Monday, probably, right? Like he's out there trying to maybe go to the PFL or Bellator or wherever else he can go. Like I don't, he, and he seemed to understand that too, like in his post-fight interview and also speaking to the media afterwards, like, that's an incredible amount of pressure. And that's kind of pressure that I think a lot of us will never understand or just can't understand. Like, so for him to be able to come in here and I wouldn't say that was vintage Kelvin, that kind of looked like Kelvin 2.0 in a way where he was very fluid in there. He looked very confident. Uh, and it was a really entertaining fight. Like I, like I'm, that's not going to win fight of the year, but it'll probably get an honorable mention from somebody when we're doing our year end awards column. So man, like good on you, Kelvin. Like you, it was imperative for him over anybody else tonight to win. And he did it. And it was a, a very fun showing. And I think it's one that you'd be happy to go back and rewatch. So, you know, I'm all for it. Now, Kelvin being back in this middleweight picture to some degree, make the Nasser Dean Imabov fight that, that seemingly can't be made or, or something of, of that nature. Like just throw him back into it now and then see if, if this is a real thing, if he has sort of refound his momentum and we can restart it because also the, what is he like 31, 29? Like he's, he's very young still 31. Yeah, like this is someone who should be in his prime years, which is why it was almost so agonizing to watch that just very slow, grindy, steady downward spiral that he seemed to just be trapped on. 
So, you know, I'm happy for him just as a human being to to emerge from that. Because, again, we saw it in the post-fight interview, that amount of emotion just spilling out of him. That was like a champagne cork that hadn't been popped in five years, but it was just five years consistently of someone shaking it up constantly every day. So, you know, you love to see those type of moments. On the flip side, Jed, should Chris Curtis go back to his usual weight class at 170? Look, he's done pretty well at 185. It's won a lot of fights, but when he gets to the, I mean, when he gets to the upper echelon of the division, the rank guys, he hasn't got wins. And it's not like he looked bad tonight. He looked, it was a fun ass fight. He was very competitive with Kelvin Gaslam, but do you feel like his service, he'd be better served at 170? No, it's a better division. You shouldn't go fight in the better division if you can fight in the worst division. And, I don't think anyone's arguing that Chris Curtis lost because he was too small. Like he, he just lost. He lost a good fight, a fight that he could win if they ran that back, a fight that argue like some people probably gave him that fight, and it's not entirely unreasonable. Uh, if that's a five round fight, he was having a pretty good third for a lot of it too. Like I just no, it's just a loss. Like changing weight divisions doesn't save your career. Sometimes they're just ceilings on what you can be. And Chris Curtis isn't going to be a top five fighter in any weight class, but he's a good one. He's competitive. He's uh, middleweight Jorge Masvidal in a lot of ways. Like, it's just dude who's been around for a while, doing the thing, can do a lot of good things. Sometimes he's going to lose some fights. Sometimes he's going to win them, but they're mostly going to be fun. And that's where he is. Like, I don't, I think he should definitely stay at middleweight because it's a worse division. And that's way better than fighting Shafka Rachmanov. And that ilk of people, like if, if my choice is I get to fight the Jack Hermansons of the world or I have to fight Kamaru Usman, I know which one I'm going to go with. But that's just me. Maybe you think that's better. I don't know. That seems dumb. I like, hey, look, you sold me. Uh, what do you think about Izzy pointing out Alex's son to mock him? Feel like it would be a bigger story if someone like Colby did that. So I know you didn't watch the presser, Jed, but I'll preface this by saying that Izzy was asked about this. this. Yeah. He was asked about it at the presser. Um, and basically said, yeah, I did it, but we talked backstage. Like we're cool now. So, I mean, I, I don't know. What did you think about it? Shaheen? It's the fight game. I can't get too upset about it. You know, yeah. like what, like I, I, some people are going to be upset about it, but those people probably would have been upset about something else anyway. Like, I don't know. It's the fight game. Things happen. Apparently Alex's son mocked Izzy in his moment of unconsciousness. So Izzy sort of reciprocated it. You know, what goes around comes around. It's ultimately it's the fight game. I can't get too mad at things like this. Hey, it's pretty um, it's pretty shitty, man. Like, it's petty. It's just petty is what it is, but it's whatever. No, like, petty is fine. No, I don't... There, no there's a difference because I'm for petty. Like uh, the picture of him doing the bow and arrow, like that's fucking cold shit. And that's sick. That like, was I'm, cool. I'm, a, I'm a petty man. And I, it, look, if, if somebody's talking shit, you deserve and you do the thing, do your dance. Like I, that has been a tenant of my life forever. I'm down with it. You're talking shit to a kid who was like six at the time he talked shit to you. I get holding the grudge. There is a substantive difference between come like if that was his older brother, like Pereira's brother or just a grown ass adult and not a child. Okay. Doing it to a kid. It look, it, it's, we don't need to get super up in arms about it or burn the village down, but it's objectively pretty shitty to be like, 
I'm going to, now I'm coming at your kid because your child, uh, I will also say kind of shitty for his kid to make fun of him or whatever, but he's also in six. So six year old. Well, do we actually, do we actually know how old this kid is? Cause I don't actually know. how. Well, old I don't, uh, he was very small when he did the, the same thing as he did. Cause it was in the kickboxing fight, but I just look at him and he's very small at the time. So he was clearly not of like an adult age at the time he did it. Uh, and so it's just like, it's petty and it's petty in a shitty way. But again, it's not like we don't need to make this some sort of awful thing. It's just like, yeah, that was pretty shitty. It'd be cool if you didn't do shitty things. But if, you know, do it to, I don't do it to his, his corner. Fine. That's sick. The, the bow and arrow thing. Sick. Talk your shit. You deserve that one. Just maybe leave the kids out of it because I feel like we've done this time and again in all different things. It's like, yeah, just don't attack people's children because why would you do that? Bow and arrow was cold. The bow and arrow was ice cold. That's one of, that's one of the best photos in MMA history. That is a really good. Everything that goes into that moment. That's why I'm saying like, I don't to dial it back to the beginning. I don't understand why people wouldn't want to see the final, final chapter of this. Like, this is so intriguing to me. Well, this has been an intriguing fight week, hasn't it? We've we've had a good time. I feel like people were kind of on one all week. Our 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 chats were very feisty at times, which I appreciate. And we will have more follow from UFC 287 tomorrow onto the next one. AK and I will record that. I don't think we're gonna do a video one just because of all the craziness that happens in the places that I do them. So I think we're just gonna record something, throw it on the pod network and do it that way. And so you guys will get your show and we'll get to read a lot of the listener picks that you guys love anyways, because we get so many of them. I got a phone full of DMs already uh, that we wouldn't read on the live show. So and then uh, MMA Hour back on Monday and we'll just get ready for UFC Kansas City. And that's where Jed is right now. Right. You're in KC. I'm not in KC. I'm in Savannah. I go to KC oh, well, next week. Next week. You're in Savannah. Oh, yeah. I, I came home to visit the folks for, for the holidays. So. How long are you in Savannah for? I leave on Monday. Well, well, I'll be sleeping, so, so I won't see you then. Yes. All right. So there'll be no <laughs> golf for Mike and Jed. But all right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you guys hopping on. Uh, Mike, and also look out you, for Shaheen's. Mike, would you yeah. say that when you're in bed, you'll be frozen like Elsa? Because we, God, can, we so. can bring that line back. He did. I think if, banger, if you if we, the first time. Well, that's the thing, you know. If you if we say it thirty five times, eventually it's going to get there. It's going to get there. Real quick, before we close out, because I know it's very late and everyone's trying to close out, uh, can we just salute the the star of the week that we have not saluted yet? And that is, of course, that gorgeous mane on the man to my left. And I hope I just am curious as we get out of here, have the past forty eight hours because you told us in confidence, you know, hey, I'm probably going to shave this, and then we're like, well, you should just let it go. Let's see what you're working with. And then this has happened now. Have the past 48 hours changed your opinion and your idea to shave what is now, I don't know, the second biggest story of UFC 287? <laughs> it's probably coming off in the very near future anyway. Uh, I am happy that Hori Mosterball lost because I said on the pre-fight Q&A that if he won, I would get a cornrow. Um, and I really didn't want to do that. So, <laughs> yay for, for happy outcomes. I mean, just... just just amazing revelation people loved it uh people wanted to hear you say i can't believe it's not butter which i thought that was a great line 
can't believe it's not better. <laughs> and the show is just not going to get any better do than the that. Fabio action. I don't think I can do it. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah, I think the attempt is is worth all the money right there. So so for Shaheen, for Jed, I am Mike Hack. It's onwards to UFC Kansas City, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen coming up uh, in about six days. So we'll see you then. We'll see you tomorrow for on to the next one. Hope you guys enjoyed the fights. Have a good night, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.